The Babylon Project was our last best hope for peace. It failed. But in the year of the Shadow War, it became something greater. Our last best hope for victory. The year is 2260. The show, the name of the pod. Episode 58, A Late Delivery from Avalon, in which a man claiming to be Arthur, King of the Britons, arrives on Babylon 5. Hello and welcome back to The Name of the Pod, your Babylon 5 podcast about the enduring cultural legacy of the show Babylon 5. I am one of your co-hosts, Chris Tatro, and joining me tonight, as always, the uh, Lancelot to my Guinevere? No, I'm not sure that's going to hold up. But uh, More like your Mordred. <laughs> yeah, I think the Mordred to my Arthur. Uh, I, I, think, I think I'm more... I'm John Cassie. I think I'm more um, your... I think I'm more um, Terry Jones. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, the, the old woman, man. Oh. I didn't know you were called Dennis. We didn't bother to find out, did you? To your Michael Palin. Yes, yes, yeah. you're infuriating. You're speaking a completely different language. You're not even on the same plane from where where I'm coming at you. Correct. And uh, um, and and really, you should be bowing down and and respecting me as your divinely appointed leader, um, rather than giving me guff all the time. Just as you say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, there we go. We, this this program, I hear for I, ha- I henceforth declare is an anarcho-syndicalist commune. We, <laughs> so, g- gentle listener, uh, yeah. I'm going to be doing this the whole episode. This, this, yeah. this uh, a late delivery from Avalon. Which, if you tuned in expecting to hear us talk about Sick Transit Veer, uh, we're talking about that one next week. We're following the master episode order right. uh, from the Lurker's Guide, which puts late delivery from Avalon before Sick Transit Veer. Yeah, that's uh, right. So... Uh, yeah, so that's if we've if we haven't puzzled you or alienated you with the Monty Python references, uh, stay right. tuned. I'm sure we will at some point in the next uh, forty minutes or however long. Yeah, that's a virtual guarantee, right? Pretty uh, much. You know, y- y- <sighs> yeah. We, you know, this is exactly <laughs> the kind of episode that leaves you and me at kind of at a loss, right? You read the Lurker's Guide. It's clear that JMS thinks that it is all that, you know, right. and a, and a, and you know, and a a a, a bag of chips. Yeah. Um, this episode is not the kind of episode that is likely, at the best of times, to resonate with me. It's got a couple of very grave problems, I think, um, and so I I come out of it feeling like no this is this is what this show looks like when it is allowed to indulge the particular whims of its of its creator and lead writer who we generally love and and he just goes off on this kind of jam that is his jam right and, you know, Chris, you and I acknowledge there's it, there's definitely people listening to this podcast for whom this episode is one of their all time favorites. Rock on. I'm sure there are. I'm Rock sure there are. And, on. Right. You know, no, you know, no, no grudge against those people. But, I, you know, we have to just say that that this one really didn't do it for either of us because of 
I think it, it, it ticks a number of checkboxes of things that have bothered us about other Babylon 5 episodes and, and other genre sci-fi, and it rolls them all up into one, you know, 42-minute package. Right, yeah. It, it, it becomes a sort of, a, a, you know, a, a, a Christmas pudding of no thank you. You know, yes. you know, um, where, uh, you know, where, where would you like to start? The year 787. Uh, I'm sorry. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, the year 515. Because yeah, the year 515. That's the historically right. accepted uh, right. year for the, for the reign of, of King Arthur. Right. Um, which, which starts me off in, in a, in a rage, <laughs> right? Because this well, go... No, I'm just saying that that be, because we come at this, I think from a from a historian perspective, and from looking at okay, there's there's references in some of the annals. There may have been an an Arthur or someone with a v- kind of similar name. Maybe it was a Roman Briton. You know, maybe it was one of these you know Saxon kings or something. But it certainly was not uh, was not this romanticized. Um, you know. The Arthur that we get here. Right. We get a kind of French chivalric, you know, uh, 13th century high Middle Ages character who we are asked to interact with while being told that he's actually from the five from the five tens. Now, there are all sorts of things that we could do to create a a Celtic analog for the almost certainly historical sixth mm-hmm. sixth century Arthur, right? I don't dispute mm-hmm. that there was probably an Arthur. The problem is you've then got 600 years of storytelling that turns him into the Arthur that we get on this episode. And so... You know, my 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 yeah. my purism. Well, you know, okay, is, let's, is challenged. Let's let's look at it within within the framework of the episode itself. Is okay. that we have we have this fellow who's experiencing severe post traumatic stress disorder. Yes, you know, coming up on the anniversary of was it the anniversary of the start of the war or the Battle of the Line? I can't remember which which anniversary well, it, was coming it's, up. It's, it's he's on the ship that. That, He's on the ship that starts the war. That's right. And then He's the gunner who shoots. Who yeah. shoots first, right? Yeah. But he's also at the Battle of the Line. And I right. think it's the combined traumas right, right. That, uh, that form his unique right. PTSD. So, so we're getting, assuming that he's not, you know, we get, we get Kosh kind of floating through at the end. And they, well, you know, they brought through Jack the Ripper. Why not King Arthur? Uh, but but set, let's set that aside for now. Yes. Um, that that the Arthur that we get is the interpretation of a 23rd century person. Yes. Who has been reading uh, Le Mort d'Arthur and and you know, the seen the the movies and the you know has has absorbed that right. later version. So it's so spot no, on then. Yeah. In that, in that case, that didn't give me too much of a of 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 a trouble. Yep. Um, if they were trying to present it as yes, you know he is the fifth, uh, the sixth century 
Arthur, then then yeah, we've got to we've got to we've got to sit down and, and have a chat about you know wardrobe and language and sure you know the 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 stories that he's telling you know bringing in the whole round table and all of the all of those extra legends that that probably weren't there at the core yeah if you're going to strip it back to the to make him an actual historical arthur and not part of a magical you know camelot then sure then then you've got somebody very different and probably somebody not as familiar to viewing audiences of of the late 20th century yeah and therefore you'd never write it that way right right because people yeah. wouldn't people wouldn't get it yeah right and i i but, appreciate that yeah um it's, but it still rankles yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't you know it, it it's like you know watching gladiator and 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 uh you know as soon as you see the stirrups i'm like standing up and you know, storming out of the theater and demanding to talk to the manager right right and this is you this know. you know i'm i'm doing the thing that i tell you know other friends of mine it's like would you just watch the television program please <laughs> you know just watch the show um yeah. and yet uh i i think i think i'm sort of driven to this place because we've been in this place or places like it so many times on this show mm. that I've, I'm viewing now, particularly as we're now over the hump, right? You know, yeah. we're now, we're now, we have fewer episodes ahead of us than are behind us. Okay. Don't True. use your now ever more limited a plots to give me an Arthur good grief right (laughs) who's suffering PTSD in this way that you've written it that is good grief right yeah yeah and uh, long term listeners will will go back to uh, season one when we had uh, we had David Warner come on and that was in what was that episode the one that with wasn't Jinxo. eyes the one with jinxo yeah, yeah what was the name, the name of the episode yeah so we we'd established then not not a fan of arthur in i'm probably less of a fan of arthur in my science fiction than i am of jack the ripper in my science fiction yeah i'm i'm with you i don't want jack yeah. the ripper in my science fiction and I most definitely do not want Arthur. Unless you're going like full bore, you know, Camelot 3000, um, you, know, right. in, you know, insane British comics from the 1980s where you're really embracing it. Right. And, and, but, but to kind of, you know, sneak it in there, not that interested. Right. I um, want it to be, I, yeah, I want it to be a mind trip. Yeah. Like I want to be like, oh, what on earth are we how is this going to play? Right. 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 Yeah. Um, and then season two, we talked about how, you know, the show not handling PTSD well mm-hmm. uh, with the Matt Frewer character mm-hmm. in that wasn't the long dark. That was long. Dark was the one with the sleeper ship. Yeah. It was I don't, one I don't of those. Recall. I don't recall. God, we're so, we're, we're so good at this. <sighs> you think, you know, Five minutes of, of looking back would have would have told me, but uh, yeah. So it's it's stumbling. There's already two strikes against this episode going in, as right. far as you and I are concerned. That's right. Um, um, and then you get the third strike, which to me is going back all the way back to believers. 
Yeah, go. Which is which is Stephen Franklin absolutely making the pig-headed, completely wrong call for the situation and not displaying any amount of professional medical training or experience. Right. Yeah. This is the Stephen Franklin of season one who over and over and over again would act pig-headedly, would have to dial it back when he realized the error of his ways, just like he does in this episode, right? Mm -hmm. And who seems totally uninterested in listening to anyone around him, even though we've had now 35 episodes of him developing into a character who would not have ignored Marcus. Right. Now right. he is. Why? Well, because because we need to have... Because the plot demands it. Because the plot really. demands it. Because someone has to shove the unpleasant truth into Arthur, or whatever his name was, his face, yeah. to uh, to make him realize what has you know what he's what he's dealing with here, and and you know that sends him into into this catatonic state. Which you know, nice going, Doc. Right. You know, good job there. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Even I, e anyone. Mm -hmm. Could have anticipated, yeah, the outcome that that actually happened mm -hmm. without medical training. You don't need right. to know that to know that this right. is what's going to happen. You've shattered this person's sense of identity that is clearly frail because it's so not true, and yet you've decided as a medical doctor to go forward to clearly risk doing this person harm mm -hmm. because reasons. Right. Right. This yeah. is not the Stephen Franklin of season three. No, and no, it's a ba it's backsliding. Yeah. And, um, and I don't know why, I don't know why JMS made the decision to go forward with this other than, as I said, the plot demanded somebody had to do it. Right. And it seems like a Stephen Franklin thing to do. Right. Yeah, no, no, um, no one else would do it, right? And you've deployed your uh, you've deployed your other main characters to service the B plot. Right? Right. Um so right. this this Arthur business mm -hmm. not interested. The entire story of this character and his PTSD not interested. I'm not interested in Stephen Franklin's take on the PTSD. We didn't learn anything about the larger universe that we didn't already know in the A-plot. Mm -hmm. All of the things that this character experienced, Brother Edward experienced, in ways that were better written, better directed, better photographed, and better acted. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know, in other words... Yeah. I was the first person to slag these one-off kind of episodes with one-off characters. Yet I thought Passing Through Gethsemane was a, was a masterpiece. This mm -hmm. is not. What's tragic in some respects about this is that we have an example of an A-list genre actor, Michael York, being put to such weak sauce. Yeah. He's very even capable. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, even the, the, you know, the, the kind of emotional journey or, or you know, th th that he should be going on 
when being confronted by Dr. Franklin. You right. Know, we're, we're robbed of that because he just kind of goes into this catatonia and we don't get right. a reaction. We don't get a response. Um, you know, that that whole scene where where Franklin is showing him, you know, showing him the file and and telling him and he's, you know, in denial. Oh, no, it was the it was on the fields. It was it was this it, that the it immediately brought me back to the finale of MASH. Go. Um, which handled a very similar situation. And I think much better, much more delicately The you know, you, you have in, in the last episode of MASH spoiler um, here for a, you know, 40 year old show. Um, Keep going. The, 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 psycho- the psychiatrist, uh, Sidney Freeman is working with Hawkeye Pierce um, who is Hawkeye is talking about that. They were on this bus and you know there were there were some of the the enemy were in the area and there was there was a lot of civilians on the bus with them korean civilians and he was yelling to at this woman you know you know you know shut up that chicken you know that chicken is it's it's clucking it's making all this noise don't you know shut it up you know? right and so she 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 covers it or, or wrings its neck or something and and hawkeye just can't get past this and he doesn't know why he's so messed up with it and as the episode goes on uh, through uh, Sidney Friedman's very kind of gentle uh, sort of coaxing and discussion of this opposite of what of what what Franklin does, um, it comes out that it 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 wasn't a chicken; it was a baby, and that this uh-huh. this woman you know smothered her own child to keep it quiet so that the so that the 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 enemy wouldn't hear it it crying right um and you know you get alan alda just sort of absolutely breaking down it was a baby uh um it, it, it's it's one of my favorite scenes or one of my favorite episodes of a show uh is is uh, that that episode of mash um ever and so kind of seeing it here i was like mm. you know i wonder i wonder if i wonder if jms was was had that specifically in his mind yeah. as he was writing this scene. Yeah, interesting. Um, but uh, but it just it just it it the approach is wrong, the reaction is wrong. Yeah, you know, we're, we we don't get we don't get any kind of <clears throat> kind of satisfactory emotional resolution from it. It just makes the situation worse. Right, right. Um, yeah, I mean, and and you know, given that JMS is a you know is is a you know a writer who's uh, you know, cut his teeth on television. He has to know about that, that absolutely that that segment from Mash has to, right? Yeah. And you know, to not use it and to not to not give Michael York more to do. I mean, hmm. he is he's just so good. He was so good in Logan's Run. Well, I know? have to confess, I've never seen Logan's Run. Oh. Well, I'm I'm gonna re- I'm gonna fix that. Yeah, you should. The, oh, very the soon. TV show, I don't even know that the TV show can be gotten, but the movie uh, is is appropriately kind of mid seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, what is you know what is going on? Crazy visuals. Yeah. G- kind yeah. of crazy clothing. You know, I mean, he mm-hmm. looks he looks great. Everyone looks great. It's a neat yeah. story. And it's yeah. got it's got a kind of like uh, Planet of the Apes kind of level right. of like you know a twistaroo at the end you know yeah. Um, yeah totally worth watching good grief if you haven't seen that 
you know, it's just one of those gaps in my uh, in my nerd lore. Yeah, I get that. Um, we've all got them, uh, yeah. but this one you want to you want to fix that. You know, I will do so. Um, I I think you know, in addition to wasting, uh, you know, Michael York, um, they they wasted the all of that time on an A plot, if it simply reverse the plots, take your B, make it A, take your A, make it B. And it would have yeah. been, uh, it would have been more tolerable. The B plot right. is full of stuff that I, as a, as a sci-fi viewer, I, watching this program, I badly want that, that content. What are you doing? How is this station surviving? Right. Right. What are you doing to ensure its place? It's in neutral space. Only if everyone recognizes it as such. What are you doing to <laughs> immediately shore up the defense of this station? And where's the food coming from? Where's the water coming from? Where's the right? You know, where are the where are the replacement parts coming from? You only need to look at the examples of uh, the Cuban automotive industry, mm -hmm. right? Which has been rebuilding 1950s era American cars for 60 years or the the Air Force of Iran in the 80s which didn't couldn't get any parts from the United States so they couldn't fix their planes right I mean, what what's going on right I, I'd want to see right. a, you know an a plot that's taught you know cascade failures throughout the station of mm -hmm. critical systems that are being pushed to their limit right yeah and yeah. the diplomacy you had a golden opportunity to do all kinds of Ivanova content on that mm. diplomacy. You know, she becomes a kind of shuttle diplomat trying to right. trying to lever people in to this right. new, uh, you know, to this new Babylon treaty. Right. Mm -hmm. While yeah. while Sheridan is trying to deal with, uh, you know, the fact that his ship is falling apart. You know, right. And you let the Garibaldi and the post office. You keep that. Yeah. Right. You yeah, leaven it's, it with it's that. amusing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad they at least acknowledged a lot of these things. You know, yep. we were clamoring for them last week, and and we still want more. And and as we've said, you know, we're the sort of fans who who want an 800-page treatise on the logistical operations of the station and exactly how they're doing. Yep. You know, all of these kinds of things, and and how are they improvising air filters? You know, for the for the brown sector and that kind of thing. So, uh, more the more the better. And. It doesn't sound like exciting television when you kind of say it like that. Um, but as you say, you can make it exciting television by having things fail, by having, uh, you know, diplomatic standoffs. You know, th th there's a ship full of supplies that wants to come in, but, uh, you know, they're demanding you know, certain, they're demanding higher rates or demanding wave or wave, a waiver of, of docking fees or things like that, That's because right. they know that they've got the station against, against the wall. That's right. Um, yeah. It, it's you know, no different from the, from the Battlestar Galactica episode water. Right. Right. The second episode of season one, where, mm -hmm. when the terrorists blow out the, uh, the, the uh, Galactica's water supply. Now it's like, well, what are we going to do? Yeah. Right. We've got to we've got to get more. Right? right. There's only so much fuel. There's only so much water. 
There were probably right. half a dozen good episodes of of Galactica. They were just about resource scarcity. We need these kind of resources, and and then you know, three or four episodes of the Expanse where where Holden uh, needs to get coffee. Just as you say. Yeah, or, it's an or, essential resource. <laughs> yes, yes. Or uh, or Janeway needs to get uh, I don't know coffee. Coffee, no, coffee she again needs for coffee Janeway as well. Yes, yeah. yeah, she definitely yeah. needs coffee. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. You know, you can. Cisco you, you, needs Ractagino. Uh, you know, Picard <laughs> needs his Earl Grey tea, and Kirkus exactly. needs some loving. Oh, he gets plenty of that. God I don't think there, I don't think there was any shortage of uh, of that in this show. Gross. So so yeah. for for me the episode is. Yeah is uh it's it's misplotted Mm -hmm. it's got its it's got its essentials kind of all facocked yeah it doesn't use michael york appropriately god bless america arthur (laughs) enough already and why did you do this to stephen franklin so for me it's a miss right but it did did it have any good points for you let me let me turn it that way i thought that michael york was all right I'm sure he, he was had good with what he was given. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, yeah. I liked the Jakar business, you know, when he came uh-huh. in to help. Yes. Right. A little bit of that Jakar yep. foo. You know, <laughs> right. That was right. kind of cool. Yeah. You know? And that, that was, that was one of the pieces that, that stood out for me that I, that I thought was, was good that we've seen Jakar sort of at this remove for yep. so long yep. to actually to, to dive in and, and get involved. And then when in, in his drunken speech where he says no moral ambiguity, no hopeless battle against uh, ancient and overwhelming foes. They were the bad guys. We were the good guys. And they made a very agreeable thump when they hit the floor. That's right. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Yes. The, the, the no moral ambiguity. Yep. That's, you know, yeah, that we're, we're stepping away from what this show normally is to give us something simpler yeah um, you know i guess quote unquote more classic uh of you know just a straight up good guys and bad guys fight right and and you know a situation where it's nice and clear um right now i still want that almost always to be carried by my main characters yes not by my supplemental characters Right. And right. certainly not by my one-offs. No. You know? But but it's good to, you know, it, it's a good reflection, I think, that while we're, we're waist deep in, in these complex, you know, morally ambiguous, diffi- politically ambiguous, difficult situations, yep. you know, hearing him just say how nice it is to have just a good, clean fight, um, you know, that was, I, I liked that. I liked that piece. That was a good line. Totally agree. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, I liked I liked all the B plot stuff. Yeah. Um, I liked the Garibaldi and the Postman. Right. Yeah. I, I, he wasn't credited. I I kept looking through IMDb trying to find out who was playing that post office clerk. Uh huh. And he I mean he wasn't listed in IMDb. He wasn't listed in the episode final credits. I looked on the the Wikia. Huh. site um i'll do some more digging and see if it's in yeah. the show notes but um he certainly had that kind of of you know character actor mm-hmm. feel mm-hmm. and my first reaction was it's the time to make the donuts guy but i know it wasn't actually him it was not no yeah um no. 
I, I thought the uh, that uh, Garibaldi's lackey saying, mm-hmm. you know, well, I, you know, I'll I'll take a lot of heat, but I don't I don't want the post office on my. We on could my, be in real trouble. We could be in real trouble. I thought that was kind of fun. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, Chris, we've got and with yeah, go. I was just saying, we and we get some we get some good reflection, I think, from Marcus. Yeah. In this episode of of what he has been learning from from the Minbari uh, and what they what what being a ranger kind of means. Yes. And I don't think we've gotten a lot of sort of discussion of that yet. So I just I, that was that was another good point. You know, I, I want to make sure that we we take a minute to note the, the bits that we did like in here so that we don't you know sound like an you know endless driving train of negativity. Like yeah, I usually am about everything ever. You do struggle. Yeah. It's all good. Uh, what did you think of, uh, uh, you know, of uh, Delenn as uh, the Lady of the Lake, clad in the purest shimmering Samite, <laughs> holding aloft Excalibur from the bosom of the water, signifying by divine providence that he, Arthur, was to carry Excalibur? That is why I'm your king. Hmm. Well, I mean, it had to be Delenn. It had to be Delenn, obviously. I mean, it's on, not going to be Ivanova. Obviously. No. I mean, no. come on. It's, <laughs> it's a limit. Yeah, I'm, maybe they went to her first and she was like, you have to be kidding me. No. Yeah. Uh, but but it had to be a Minbari. Yeah. You know, based on the based on the backstory. Yeah. Um, and and it kind of makes sense in, in the... Uh, in sort of the larger, more mystical symbol level of symbology way of the story. I agree. Um, I think it fits a little better. I don't, I, you know, I, I know they, they were playing their, their, um, their fantasy casting of themselves as Arthurian characters there at the end. Right. Uh, and I, I honestly, I don't know enough about the stories to be able to, to follow along with that entirely well. But if you're going to have some sort of, you know, mystical, um, uh, you know, oracular kind of character. Then yes, it's Delenn. Right. Yeah, for sure. Now, yeah. now one of the things that we that we riffed on a little bit in our pre-show was, well, the, he's not actually Arthur, which is what we were, uh, uh, you know, afraid was actually going to be. It's oh, we've got Sebastian <laughs> all over again, right? Right. And right. it's this it's this notion of, all right, the Vorlons will. They have a they have a proven record of going back in history, and yeah. plucking people out of history and freezing them and sending them to Babylon Five or wherever they need to be, just when they're needed, right? Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, who are two or three figures from history, real people now, uh, who you think, all right, these these guys on B Five really need the advice of. X, Y, Z. Yeah. You know, I've got a couple of names that I've written down. Um, okay. You got any on your mind? Well, I, you know, I'll, uh, this, this episode is, is existing almost 90% in the show notes for me. Oh, um, I see. I, I will see. try to find and put in the show notes. I don't know. I don't even know if, if it's known if there was an individual person. But, Go. Um, and this ties into the B plot of this episode. They need someone. They need a master of logistics to to oh. handle all of this kind of stuff. And 
I need to go back in and see who was responsible for drawing up the, maybe not even necessarily the the the, the planning, but the initial planning, but but making sure everything went off without a hitch for, um, oh let's let's say um, uh, D Day, uh, as or, or maybe World War Two in 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 general. Who in the who in the <coughs> Allied forces, who was at the the the, the top of their logistic command. Uh, you know, making sure that all the supplies got where they needed to be. The supply trains were were moving correctly, and you know, all the medical resources were moving to where they needed to be. Um, it seems, in particular, at this point of the story, that that is that's what the station needs: is okay. somebody to to handle those kinds of pieces. Two two suggestions for your point. Okay. 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 General George B. McClellan. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Union, yeah. The Union commander Lincoln was so right. uh, 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 distressed that all mm-hmm. he would do is logistics. Right. Right. Uh, General McClellan, if you're not using the army today, might I borrow it? <laughs> right. Right. You know that yes. McClellan was the master of of that very thing, mm-hmm. to the to the detriment of. Of actually using the you know the the uh, the army, or what about um, oh crap? What's his name? The the uh, the the commander, the NASA commander. On Earth for Apollo thirteen. Apollo eight thirteen, yes. Um, Ed Harris in the movie. Ed Harris in the movie, yes. exactly. Gene Krantz. Gene Krantz, yeah, yes. Yeah. Who was uh, who was played by by Ed Harris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You somebody get, like that. Yeah, someone That's, like that yeah. would have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you could you could imagine someone like that being sent by the Vorlons to help Sheridan shore up. A station yeah. that's coming apart at the seams. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Um, and now, of course, the movie Apollo 13, I think, post-dates this. Uh, 1995. Oh, then even even better. Yeah. Because this movie would have just come out. It would have been fresh in people's fresh minds. Fresh in people's minds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think either of those guys... That sounds yeah, good. Might have been, or you know, maybe you've got someone behind the scenes at the, uh, you know, Manhattan, Manhattan Project, something like Could that. Could be. Maybe, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought my first, my the first name on my list is uh, Alexander Hamilton, hmm. because you need you need someone who's kind of a consummate creator of systems. Yes. To, to enable a nascent nation mm-hmm. to 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 get stable right right and he would have been perfectly happy to work within a system where essentially you're you're operating under martial law you know hamilton fetishized yeah. all that kind of stuff so not not exactly the uh the the champion of democracy and and uh oh, freedom God, no. of the common people that uh, that's being sung about these days i yeah, pish tosh, 
yeah. you know, maybe, people, maybe good grief. You let people rule and almost anything <laughs> could happen. I know. Right? Maybe much like we get the 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 fictionalized Arthur, you know, we would get the the fictionalized Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. Or, yeah. or maybe even my next, you know, the other person that came to mind, which I think is in the same vein as your, mm-hmm. as, as Hamilton, um, w- would be either Charlemagne yep. or Augustus. Yeah, sure. Same, same kind of, same kind of thing. You've got somebody, uh, you know, that's, that looks at a, either a, something that's completely fallen into disrepair. Right. And, and is going to, you know, put everything back together again. Uh, right. Yeah, I thought... For the ages. Exactly. I thought for a moment about Diocletian. Yes. Right? You know, okay. Uh, you know, you've got the empire verging on the... on ruins. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, let me let me apply a bureaucratic overlay to this whole mm-hmm. chaos storm, right? Yeah. And, you know, let's get this thing back in order, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got another one? Uh... Well, you know, you kind of have it in Sheridan, but it would, and and it, it it sort of dances again on the mythologized historical figure, but it might be interesting to bring Joan of Arc, huh? Yeah, <laughs> which I probably, which I bet is 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 not your first choice, and would is probably one of those like get Joan of Arc out of my sci-fi, but. Um, you know, it feels like it's something that's that's not been done. What are you doing? What are you doing with her? Because that would determine uh, whether I'm done with whether I don't like she, it or not. She is rallying the League of Unaligned Worlds and uh, okay. gathering yeah. together allies to fight against to fight the war. Okay, I picked to do the same thing, mm-hmm. Eleanor Roosevelt. Okay, yes, right. <laughs> now I I kind of like yours better. Um, From a dramatic television point of view, I think you've you've got more flexibility there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to have you get to have a, you know a kind of a an, an interesting up and comer actress mm-hmm. in that role. You know, for mine, you got you've sort of got Jean Stapleton, right? Right. If you can't right. get her, then it's like, well, I don't know what to do now. You know, yeah. you know, because you know she was sort of you know made to do those kind of you know those kind of parts. You know, right. But right. you know, you can imagine. Yeah, you you want someone who will help Ivanova rally. Yeah. Uh, you know these these guys. You know. Well, Henry Kissinger. Mm. We'll just let that one sit. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, no. Um, okay. Did you have a third? Well, I Augustus was my Augustus was my third. third okay. So yeah. So I I went sort of like. Give me someone who's a proper revolutionary mm-hmm. to uh, to push Sheridan out of his, you know, ultimately fairly Washingtonian, fairly conservative revolutionary stance into a more to a more active one. And I picked the first president of Ghana and the mm. the uh, the the father of Pan Africanism, Kwame Nkrumah. Okay. Right. It was like a just a proper, you know, mid mid twentieth century, mm. uh, you know, revolutionary. You know. Yeah. Doesn't have yeah. the taint of uh, of uh, you know, kind of Sovietism or Maoism. Right. Right. 
right. you know, is influenced by those ideas, but is also influenced by a kind of anti-colonialist, mm-hmm. uh, you know, let's bring let's bring all of us as Africans together, um, you know, kind of ideology that, uh, you know, I, I think would be would be a nice thing to introduce or talk about on this yeah. program, which in the 1990s is, is pretty white bread. Right. You know, and you know, if if Sheridan is setting up the Babylon Five as as really an independent republic, which is what he's doing yes. for all intents and purposes, what is differentiating it from from Earth? Right. Other than okay, we're not like evil and establishing martial law and stuff, as far as you know. Although we're still a military, you know, a military governed republic. Right. Um. But as you say, having having the uh, an element of of revolutionary thought in there to really s- distinguish from what's come before, right? Um, you know, we're not going to be this warlike, you know, starting wars with the Mimbari at the drop of a hat. You know, we're sending our our our, our military out to our our colonies to to mm-hmm. keep them in line. We're going to we're going to do things very differently. We're going to start with the principle of of equality among all of the planets, among all of the peoples, uh, and and a voice for everyone. And we're right. going to go from there. And that's right. not something you're going to get from Earth. Right. Yeah. And that would have been yeah. that would have been and you know a, uh, a, an interesting take, a compelling take. Yeah. 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 Um, So those are my thoughts on this uh, sort of segment and on this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, did we miss I think, anything? I don't think so. I think we were in in agreement on the on our feelings of, on the episode. Yeah, yeah, and and it, again, you know, really want more of the how is the station getting by? Right, right. Yeah, it's been a couple of episodes. Right, right, and and the, and these things these things matter, right? And yeah. Well, and, and, and look, what is what is the cultural legacy of Babylon Five? Uh, these kinds of episodes and shows now down the road mm-hmm. that care and pay attention to these things, right, right. Um, you know, not because they're critiquing Babylon Five, but because they've seen, all right, well, here's the first pass at this kind of big arc. Well, you can imagine people in the Galactica writers' room saying, "Well, we're going to write how many people exist. Mm-hmm. Surely they're going to be keeping track of the water. That's why they had uh, Baltar say, right. "Well, we need seventy-six thousand pounds of vegetables and twenty-eight thousand t- uh, tons of uh, you know for mm-hmm. for what you know for for a, for a week for a day." Yeah. Right. Somebody the, has to be paying attention to The entire things. human race on that ragtag fugitive fleet had 47,000 people. Babylon mm. 5's got 250,000. And they're not making all that food in their hydroponics bay. No. Sorry. That's no. just not that. That station would yeah. not be designed that way. Right. But again, you know... Uh, Maybe we're asking for something that is not the kind is not the story that JMS wanted to tell. Absolutely, you know. No, you're Galactica, totally right. 
Galacta is 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 survival. It's not survival horror, but in some ways it is. Indeed, you know, in some ways it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, it it there's a lot of Galact the the feeling of Galactica in um, the game that we've played. Forty three minutes in, we're talking. We're getting into some of the the substance of this. The game, this War of Mine that we've played. We've played yes. the board game yes. of that, um, where you're really scrounging for survival. Yeah. And it's a question of are they going to make it? That you know basic basic necessities are almost a greater threat than the Cylons. Right. And right. that's that that's just not the, I don't think that's the story that JMS was interested in, in in telling and because of the way he's set up the production of this show there's no one riding herd over him to tell him we need an episode where they're you know worried about water more than about King Arthur. Yeah. Totally right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, our job as, as, you know, as, uh, the, the viewers here is to rewatch, give a thoughtful over, you know, o- o- overview in our head about what we, well, about what we saw mm-hmm. present, um, present a, uh, you know, kind of a, uh, you know, a narrative and invite the, invite our audience to say, you're totally wrong. Which we usually right? are. Which we very frequently are and our audience is kind enough to say to us y'all didn't take this opportunity you missed this thing that you know even max was that's why max was howling the whole episode because you were leaving out something very obvious right right um and uh you know maybe we just need to get over it but by the same token um i hope that i go at least a full season you know, before I have to encounter uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson, you know, <laughs> or some other, you know, figure from history who I do not want to encounter. What would Shoeless Joe bring to? Why would why would the Vorlons bring him forward? Hmm. Listeners, uh, tell us on our <laughs> Facebook page <laughs> what That's what important my historical kind of segue right there, Tatro. There you go, yeah. professional. Uh, what kind of historical lesson would Shoeless Joe Jackson bring to uh, to the Babylon Project, uh, or you know, other historical figures you might want to see uh, brought forward to help out from time to time? Be kind of an interesting, um, entirely different show. Go. Where you just kind of you have some sort of like here's our space show and everything's always going wrong and someone's always you know they're they're bringing in a different historical figure every you know every week to to help solve a problem kind of thing. That would so be wacky. Johnson. Yeah. So Crates Johnson. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've had him in the show. Indeed, we have. <laughs> yes. Don't ever forget, but, audience. San Dimas High School football rules. Wild stallions. Wild stallions. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening, uh, folks. We'd, we'd better sign off now before yeah, this indeed. goes further okay. off the rails. All right. Later, folks. Cheers. Bye.